0: Hello and thanks for joining us on Search for Truth Radio with the broadcaster, Bible teacher Brian Johnston. Today Brian looks at a whole church issue, that is, disunity or division amongst a group of Christians or disciples who've come together as a church. If you want to follow readings in your Bible, we'll be starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. This radio series of broadcasts is called Going the Distance, and it's 12 talks. Today is number 11. And in Going the Distance, Satan would try to stop us doing it and puts all kinds of hindrances in, in our ways. We've been looking at that over the last 10 weeks, and this time we're looking at discord and divisions, as I said, within a church. So let's get some help now with this with Brian. Thanks, John. The letter we are about to read,
1: which, as John has mentioned, is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, was probably read to the church one Sunday morning. In it, the writer said, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you that there are contentions among you. This was the Apostle Paul writing to the Church of God at Corinth. It was both a sad and a serious thing that in this highly gifted church divisions existed. There were factions who followed different leadership personalities such as Paul himself while others followed Peter or Apollos. Paul is very concerned about the divided state of at least some of the believers in the local church at Corinth. There are reasonable grounds for understanding that part of that division was the result of those in the church favouring one speaker's communication style and method of delivery over that of others. Paul, in fact, tells us that he had deliberately chosen to speak there in such a way that he was not in danger of encouraging this tendency – he affirms that God had sent him to preach the good news message of Christianity, albeit not in cleverness of speech. But whatever all the reasons that may have lain behind it, the reality was that there was significant disharmony in the church fellowship at Corinth. It's a state of things that he addresses in his letter to them, and Paul's appeal for unity was strongly based. He took them first to the cross of Christ, the preaching of the Gospel message and their calling in relation to it. The cross is the great equaliser. It's for rich and poor, wise and foolish, and for noble as well as the mean and lowly. When we see ourselves clearly, all of us, as sinners standing before the cross, surely there can be no divisions. Paul used the idea later, When he was condemning divisive behaviour that stumbled others in the church. He spoke about other believers as the brother or sister for whom Christ had died. As well as taking them back to the cross in his appeal against division within the local church of God at Corinth, Paul also looks forward to the judgment seat of Christ. In chapter 4 he pleads with them to judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. What Paul's speaking about here is the time when all who are true believers on the Lord Jesus Christ will, after his return for us, stand before the Lord at his judgment seat. Not that we'll be judged there for our sins. For praise the Lord, we know that they were judged on the Lord Jesus himself when he bore our sins in his body on the tree. However, as believers, it will remain only for us to be assessed as to how well, or otherwise, we've served the Lord in our lives on earth. We'll be assessed as servants of the Lord Jesus. Paul said more about this subject in chapter 3 of his first letter to the Corinthians, where from verse 11 we read, "'For no other foundation can anyone lay "'than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ.'" Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be made clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward." If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. As we live our lives, in the light of that coming day, the day of his reward for those who've served him well, really, there should be no place for criticising one another's service now. We can safely leave that to the righteous judge who sees all that's in our hearts, If anything in our work for the Master now is motivated in some degree by envy or jealousy of the abilities of others and what they are doing, or if there's a competitive element, then we stand to lose our reward in that coming day. So far, we've seen that to counter the divisions among them, the Apostle Paul urged the Corinthian believers to live their lives in the light of two days, the day they'd taken their stand as sinners before the cross of Christ, and also the future day when they'd stand before Christ's tribunal or judgment seat. By the 11th chapter, Paul is still reminding the Corinthians that when they come together in their church meetings, he hears that there are divisions among them. Something contributing to these divisions seems to have been the different gifts they each had. He follows up in the next chapter by giving teaching on the unity of the body of Christ. He begins by reminding them that their different gifts stem from the one and the same Holy Spirit. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptised into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink off one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The practical effect of this teaching on the spiritual union of all believers in the body of Christ should be unity, and not division within local churches. In Christ's church, into which he builds every believer when they profess faith in him, there can be no division. It's a spiritual unity over which Satan has no ultimate power. We've got to translate that mystical union into day-to-day experience in Christian fellowship. Rather than making anything of the differences between our God-given spiritual gifts, We should recognise them as being complementary. Because we have different gifts and functions and roles, that means we need each other. It should inspire our commitment and responsibility towards those Christians with whom we serve God. It's conventional to admire the breadth of diversity on display in this 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, with its varieties of gifts, varieties of ministries and varieties of effects. But remember, the starting point of this whole letter was focused on addressing division at Corinth. With that in mind, once again, let's now turn to chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In continuing his written ministry to the sadly divided local Church of God at Corinth, the Apostle Paul is not so much emphasising the varieties he describes there, but the unity behind that diversity. The same Spirit, the same Lord and the same God. Each member of the Godhead is mentioned and gifts are allocated to each Christian believer. Also, the point at which we paused just then in our reading, at the end of verse 7, It's important to note, since it makes plain that the purpose behind God giving the spiritual gifts is that their operation should be for the common good. Finally, and still with harmony as the goal in view, the Apostle speaks to them of the way of love, the way of edification in chapter 13. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Paul's emphasis in this section is on those things which build each other up, which edify the local church. It's a very practical way to ensure unity when we put each other's good before our own good, So then, in summarising all that we've been talking about and taking Paul's reasons for unity in reverse order, they have been the way of love, Paul's teaching on the unity of the body and on spiritual gifts, his reminder of coming assessment and his appeal to the cross of Christ, they are all, I'm sure you'll agree, powerful reasons for getting on with each other in Christian life. Perhaps we could say the overall message is unity begins with you.
0: Once again, I'd like to remind you that you can download your own copy of the transcript book of this series if you go to churchesofgodinfo forward slash media and then, if you want, you could print your own copy. But if you're not able to do that and need to request a book, just write in and ask for Going the Distance. You can use the email or the post. And here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at info. So it's been a pleasure to enjoy your company today and I thank you very much for that and hope you could uh, join us next week when Brian will be refocusing disappointment. So hope to see you then. Until then it's goodbye and best wishes from... Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me John. So see you again soon and may God richly bless you.